0: to another session of the Business of Craft Beer Blog Talk Radio Show. This is Greg Dunthing from Burlington, Vermont, and I'll be your host. Before I introduce today's guests and topic of discussion, let me remind you that for the next few months, we'll be talking with beer industry analysts and consultants who can help us make sense out of a number of seemingly contradictory industry trends. Uh, we'll also feature local brewery owners in Vermont. This macro and micro view will hopefully paint a clearer picture of today's craft sector. At least that's our goal. How do the large macro trends impact local breweries? What is the overall carrying capacity of craft? Are we reaching saturation, or should we anticipate, as some project, a doubling of the number of breweries over the next five to ten years? Well, there's the no key questions, we hope to raise our listeners' appreciate. For the complexity of today's craft world. Uh, now for today. Oh. Stone Corral Brewery, located in Richmond, Vermont, is a family-operated artisanal brewery that was started on their horse ranch in Huntington, Vermont. And in 2016, the brewery moved to its current location, adding a tap room and music venue. Stone Corral offers well-balanced brews featuring local seasonal flavors and borrowing from the German. Belgian and British brewing traditions. Owners Melissa and Brett Hamilton will join us today. So welcome, Melissa and Brett.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Greg.
0: If you would like to join the conversation, feel free to give us a call at 929-477-1757. And be sure to hit one on your keypad, signifying that you have a question or a comment. I'll bring you into the conversation. So let's get started. <clears throat> So, Melissa and Brett, tell us about your backgrounds and how did you this experience lead to the opening of Stone Corral
1: okay well well we we have a, our backgrounds actually specifically are in the environmental industry, Brett and I have both been consultants in the environmental field for well um, over twenty years and um, operate our own um, businesses and um in addition to that, uh Brett's been brewing from actually the time that we met uh 20 oh, nearly 30 years ago now at this point. Um Brett was home brewing and and uh so we um essentially it was back in about oh, I don't know, the shortly after the early 2010s, I uh came home one day I'd gone to the store to get some beer and I came home and I said well, where did all the beer go? I can't really find anything but IPA at the store anymore. And so um, (laughs) I always brewed all these wonderful different styles because there's so many different um, types of beer out there. And that was one of the things that we always enjoyed with his brewing was all the different types of beer that we um, were able to have. Um, And uh, so we just started talking about that and how we felt like that um, in our local market that – some really great styles were underrepresented and uh so we just started uh just started brewing um more and um turned converted one of our outbuildings into a little brew shed on our property and uh opened up the doors in uh, 2013 and people came and it just kind of sprang from there and we actually um Moved to Richmond in uh, 2015. In uh, we opened in September of 2015 in Richmond.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, <clears throat> Brett. Do you have any anything you want to add to that?
2: Uh, Melissa did a really really good job uh, <laughs> c- covering the the, the basics. Um, I I would just reemphasize that we started Stone Corral for the same reasons that I started Homebrewing, which was to to be able to drink beer that you couldn't find in the stores um, in the in the early 90s, that was um, you know the stores were mostly focused on European and American light lager and you know Guinness and Bass and a few other interesting artifacts of the of the era. And then um, you know I started learning about all these other great beers like Hefeweizen and um, Scotch ale that you just couldn't couldn't try elsewhere and mm-hmm. um the exact same reason we opened stone corral which was to be able to to drink and offer beer that you couldn't find otherwise
0: mm-hmm. yeah, so <clears throat> some states have experienced greater growth in the number of breweries than vermont um everybody discusses the sort of growing competition to win the hearts and minds of craft consumers. Uh, What distinguishes your brewery from the 60 plus other breweries? Um, Your website certainly speaks, as I mentioned before, to the German, Belgian, and British traditions. Uh, Is this one of your important differentiators? Uh,
2: It it is, but I think an even bigger differentiator um, is something that our our taproom customers keep thanking us for, which is we do not focus on IPAs. Uh, I think that's the That would be one of the big uh, sort of differentiators uh, between Stone Corral and much of the rest of the market right now. Um, We do brew some great IPAs. Um, There are just a lot of other styles that we love to drink and and brew and and share with uh, with others. So, um, you know, that's a big one. I think the other really fun thing that we've got going on is – is our taproom environment um, uh, you know we've got great food, great beer, great music and have built a really beautiful community um of people um here and um uh, we feel really 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 proud and um and and that that's something very special that um that uh that we we've, we've brought to Richmond.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, in some questions in a few minutes. Uh, <clears throat> could we examine for a moment the category of knowing your consumer? Last week we had a consultant to the industry who talked some about this. Um, Stone Corral provides a wide spectrum of products, pretty incredible for a small brewery, quite frankly. Um, how do you come to know your consumers and what they're lo- seeking in a local brewery?
1: Wow. I guess I would say we we know our consumers and because we we consider ourselves the consumer as well i mean we we've lived in this community for well over twenty years, and so we felt that you know the things that we liked were were probably going to be enjoyed by others in the community um so that's one of the, the ways that, you know, it's just that we feel like we are a good representation of our own community, um, and I think that's why our brewery has done well here. But we also, um, we we listen to our staff and our, our customers and the things that they have to, to say and, and their opinions on things. Um, and uh, Well, like I, I say, uh, one of the things, in, in particular in our tap room, we have a, a program, uh, the Mug Club program that we um, rolled out this year, and that was mostly at the, the, the request of, of our, our customers. We had so many customers saying, if you did a club, I would join, kind of thing. <laughs> so it really told us that there really was this community, this sense of belonging that people, you know, enjoy being a part of this whole, um, this whole thing. So, um, yeah. I think that that plays a lot into how we, um, you know, how we, uh, knowing our consumer is that I think, you know, we try to be very present. And like I said, I think we've, we've always, we've been, we've been the consumer. So. Yeah. We, we look customers, you know, they, they, they tell us
2: what they like that's on our taproom board and they tell us what they don't like and they, um, make suggestions and, um, but you know, first and foremost, um, we brew what we like, uh, mm-hmm. our, our, and um, and 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 go from
1: there. Yeah, I mean, we get asked by the distributor a lot uh, for more IPAs because they, all of our like, time we send them IPAs, they run out of them very quickly. But it and um, we we could certainly just brew more IPAs, but we actually like to provide other um, styles for. Uh, but also others because we feel like that um, That I think that there is the craft. I think people have come to cr- to learn about craft beer through this big development of, you know, the whole IPA craze. But I think that once they start discovering craft beer, albeit through their, um, you know, the first experience is very often through an IPA, it's like a doorway to, um, finding out about all these other wonderful, um, styles as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about off premise. Um, <clears throat> getting on the shelf, gaining tap handles in restaurants and bars, um, is increasingly difficult or so we hear, um, in, in the sea of products, having your products seen, uh, by consumers, What's your experience in opening up new accounts and selling in the off-premise environment?
2: Well, I I think you're, I think you're spot on. It's a, it's a crowded market. It's definitely getting more difficult to find shelf space and tap space. Um, uh, The, you know, how do we deal with that? Well, you you have to make great product. Um, You have to make something that people want to serve. And the way that we've tried to sort of thread that needle is by offering a variety of different styles that are not commonly offered by other breweries, um, you know, in the hopes that one of those is gonna is gonna fit the need of the tap room or stand out on the shelf. And um, so far, we've done really, really well with that, and our um, our distributor is um, is doing a great job helping us grow that market. And I think mm-hmm. that. You know, we get we get pitched as a brewery with something else to offer uh, that that a lot of the other breweries aren't uh, offering at at this time.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I would add to that is that that um, we're very focused on um, food, food, uh, beer being food. It's you know, and it's part of just you know the your um, food experience and. We do a lot of um, pairing with our beers with foods food, you know certain types of foods and such like our chef here at the corral cooks with our food with our beer and we do um, we match up you know the various um, dishes and things and the we found that there are a lot of chefs out there at restaurants that enjoy having our beer to uh, on tap to accompany different dishes and such so there's a a wide range to choose from, because the the styles that we tend to focus on um they're very uh how would you say it um well they're not palate wreckers. yeah I think that's
2: the that's the big thing, and then there are interesting layers of flavor that that work well with food and different foods, um, whereas if all we made was i p a you know we'd be serving a lot of hot chili and, mm-hmm. um, and nachos and things like that um, this way, we've got uh, you know we've got a black lager that goes great with uh, with braised meats and um, and so on. So we've got uh, this whole palette of flavors that we can work with um, with the the beer and food
1: pairing. And um, you can sometimes find that on our descriptions on our, our package um, our cans as well. You know suggestions for what to what foods to have this particular beer with. Right. So...
0: Um, it, your, ta- your tap room initially, you did not serve uh, any substantial food. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, we had, <laughs> we had pretzels and popcorn. I think is what we started with. <laughs> <laughs> I remember really... the popcorn. <laughs> yeah, the popcorn yeah. got thrown everywhere, um, and <laughs> uh, you know the, the the kitchen was was busy working a crock pot and a uh, toaster oven.
1: Well, let me back up there. In order to actually, at the time, um, in order to, if you wanted to serve a full pint, you either had to get a special event permit that only lasted for you know, so many days, so we would have to constantly get additional um, special event permits, mm-hmm. or we had to go ahead and get our restaurant license, um, and then we would be able to serve full pints. So we made the decision to get our restaurant license and just do simple, Foods. We didn't actually intend to have a restaurant when we when we opened the brewery here. We were going to have a tasting room and um, and you know our brewery and and send everything out for um, distribution. But we um, had just had so much uh, great uh, uh, support for our tap room and people asking for more all the time that um, it just was kind of a natural uh, progression to.
0: Grow from there. Um, mm-hmm. Just and, and. Yeah, and I have to say, from a little personal experience, uh, over time your your food uh, has has gotten to be not just your typical tap room menu, but really exceptional uh, quality. It's a place you go to for dinner and then have some beer, um, as much as you go for beer and having dinner. Um, I also wanted to talk about your music um though not not many places uh in vermont there are obviously a number of breweries in vermont have a music venue um tell us a little bit about you know how that started and what your thought was in creating a uh, a place where musicians and and customers could get together
1: <laughs> yeah okay um well uh, first all, uh, brett and i we, we very much enjoy going out and listening to good live music and um it's really hard to do um, in the in this area. Which, um, it's a rural area and there's not a lot around. We did have a, we had a great little bakery here in town um, for many years that had a great little live music scene. Um, and then when that um, closed, we lost that and there wasn't anything for several years and um, so I knew there was a void to be filled there, and I also knew that we'd often at times would have a conversation ourselves, you know, like, hey, let's go listen to some music some let's get a bite to eat and a beer and listen to some music somewhere, and then we'd try to figure out where we could go from where we lived in Huntington, and it was it was just such a haul to go anywhere. Um, you know, and we also know a lot of um, musicians in our community. We... Um, just we knew that there would be a draw that people would enjoy that we wanted it to be a community space so um where people could you know come in and and relax and enjoy um music um and we so we've um just uh worked on having a space for that we we do uh i i kind of became a music booking agent (laughs) which was not, not not something that uh that was uh foreseen but uh it's been great because I've gotten to meet a lot of really great um musicians um over the years now and uh and it's uh they, they they even you know I think it's become a nice community for the musicians as well we have uh open bluegrass and we have an open mic night and and then uh it's just it's uh we have had to adjust it a little bit though because um as you've mentioned earlier that our, our food has really um evolved and it really has and so we have a quite a a, a dinner uh crush I would say very often in the evening. So we used to start our music earlier but we've had to push music out um to a little bit later to accommodate people just wanting to come in to have to have a meal and um mm-hmm. and you know, so it's kinda nice, it actually rounds it out a little bit more. Mm-hmm.
0: We're talking uh, with Brett and Melissa Hamilton from Stone Corral Brewery. Uh, the phone lines are open. And if you would like to uh, call in for uh, a question for Brett and Melissa, please call 929-477-1757 to join the conversation. Remember to hit one on your keypad if you'd like to uh, join us. Um, Bump Williams, uh, a consultant uh, well-known in the in the Alcohol beverage industry coined the phrase "tank to the bank" in describing the financial benefit of direct beer, beer sales to consumers in a tap room. Of course, every brewery owner knows the advantage of that model. But I'm interested in how you plan for growth based on sort of that tap room versus off-premise model. Um, is it sort sort of organic, or is it you look out a year or two and have a specific sort of plan for what you want to accomplish?
2: I would say up till now, it's been very organic. Um, the, more and more, I think that the, um, the beer industry is a, is a pull market rather than a push market. Um, so, so really the demand is coming from the consumer uh, and they need to learn about you and get comfortable with you and, and see you on the store shelf uh, enough times to 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 really grow that market, and we've been just sort of riding that curve up until now. Now we're kind of at a at a nexus where we need to plan our next stage of growth, mostly because we've um, we're at capacity now, um, both in the brewery and in the tap room, and um, you know, uh, we, we what we don't want to do is end up. With a, with a situation where we're either um, missing out on opportunities or leaving accounts without um, beer that they'd like to have. So um, we're actually doing some really careful planning exercises right now to kind of map out the next five to ten years and mm-hmm. um, um, see what um, what makes sense for us and um, what makes sense for the Stone Corral brand and, and our team. And... Um, you know, make sure that we don't get into the the situation that some breweries have gotten into about overcapitalizing, um, uh, or, or sort of neglecting their their local community in in favor of of national distribution. We're we're just really mm-hmm. cautiously trying to feel that out.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would add to that 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 you, you mean you, like you said that the you know the tank to the bank. That's definitely where our you know the the biggest bang for the buck is to just, you know, sell your beer in, you know, right in your tap room. Um, as far as, and, and... But
2: there's a ceiling to that. There, there
1: is a ceiling to that. Um, and, um, you know, it's finding that balance. It's you want you want to maximize that, but you also, you know, you need to be able to um, get your, to, to balance that with your distribution, what you're putting in package and putting out there. And that's, I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest challenge is, is um, especially when we brew so many different styles, is determining how much of certain styles we're going to put in draft and just serve in the tap or if we're going to balance some, send some of it out in package, and and I think that's one of the biggest challenges for us, as opposed to maybe some of the other breweries that don't brew as much as many as much variety as we do. Is that it's I think it'd be easier to have a formula for. You know how much you're kegging versus how much you're packaging. We're always mm-hmm. looking. We're always looking at that and and um, trying to make sure that we um, always keep a well-rounded um, representation of our beers in the tap room, um, but yet keep um, enough in package out on the market. And it's um, sometimes that's a hard that that can be a hard balance to. Mm-hmm. Get um, and sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we we run out of things. Where
2: <laughs> people get cranky in the tap room when we run out of things they like.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 I've, I've never
2: been one of those customers. <laughs> <laughs> with any other choices.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the Brewers Association every year does an annual survey with Nielsen, and one of the findings in the last year's survey, and it probably a, a, a occurred the year before as well, is that uh, taproom sales, they found, really drives off-premise sales. Once a, peop, a person has been in a brewery taproom, perhaps for the first time, maybe not, um, they tend to look for that product uh, on the shelves or in uh, on the tap handles in, in bars and restaurants. Um, what's your sense of... of Can you measure that in any way? Can you tell sort of the, you know, you you have an increase in number of people who visit your tap room and it translates into more product being sold off premise or is it just hard to measure?
2: I I think it's very hard to measure. I do, I do think it's a real thing, but I think it works in reverse too. I think people find your beer on the shelf. They think it's interesting. They try it um, and then they want to come pay a visit. And um, we've heard, anecdotal stories from our customers, both in both directions. Um, Uh so so I think, you know, we we sometimes talk about filling cans as being a a marketing exercise, um, because of (laughs) that you talked about, um, you know, on-site versus off-site sales. Um, the, but it does put a very nice billboard in your local beer store, uh, um, for for our for our company and our brewery, mm-hmm.
1: yeah I think the taproom is the best brand ambassador you can have um in, especially in a in a a market where we are like Vermont we just have a big tourist industry here already so um so it's a an, an experience um for people to come in and and, and to come to the tap room and, and have a full rounded experience with the good food, the music and the beer and everything all together. And, and not just, um, you know, um, having, uh, tasters of something per, per se. Um, I've heard many people, I think one of the things that, that I've noticed in the tap room though is, um, is people do look for your beer on the market. And I know when Brett and I were walking in the brewery a couple of weeks ago and somebody stopped us and, and was saying how, um, they'd been asking all over for the trying to get that black beer in cans and they just couldn't <laughs> find it anywhere. And they were, you know, complaining to us about it. And our answer had to be, well, that's because we haven't put it in cans for the summer months. We'll be doing that shortly.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. We do hear that. And what, what, I think what I think what I enjoy is, is watching a, a tourist sort of plunk down at the bar next to a local and, um, and then the local will <laughs> run the tourists through the lineup of beers and you know almost <laughs> do our jobs for us. Um, yeah. And 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 it's a delightful experience for for both parties because um, you know the the local gets to show off their their knowledge of uh, of our products and then the the tourist really gets a a personal touch from um, from a local fan. So um, yeah, Melissa's absolutely right. The taproom d- is definitely your best. Um, Best marketing tool. Well, yeah, I've do, been
0: I've been known to uh, to do that occasionally at uh, at your in your tap room. <laughs> I think your staff.
2: Name. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, wait, wait. This is
0: our job. do not you be quiet? <laughs> I'd, let, I'd let say the other say, thing too though,
1: is on, that I've noticed we get uh, the people who have been to the tap room that live outside of our area. will then email us because they've then gone back to wherever they live and they're looking for our beer and they're wondering where they could find it and um so mm-hmm. that i that I, that does tell me you know that the, the tap taproom is a good good a good uh marketing tool for our brand. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me just take a moment uh for our sponsor uh, the Business of Craft Beer program at the University of Vermont. Um if you've dreamed about one day opening your own brewery, or perhaps you wanna get out of your cubicle and apply your skills in craft beer, an industry that you have a great passion for, Uh, the Business of Craft Beer Program offers this opportunity. We provide industry-specific knowledge uh, to make developing a business plan as well as developing skills and knowledge in marketing, sales, beer sales, and operations. Your instructors are craft beer experts from across the U.S. and Canada, and each class has 8 to 10 industry leaders to guide your learning about the business side of the craft beer industry. To learn more details, visit us on our Facebook page, UM, UVM Business of Craft Beer, or give us a call at 800-639-3210. Our winter classes start in January, so register now to save your place. Um, I wanted to... um, uh, 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 talk just for a second about sort of new products. Um, Many brewery staff I speak with identify products that they would like to add, and this may fall into a few categories. Uh, Sometimes it's personal preferences, what they would like to drink, alignment with their brewery's mission, obviously um, is a component. Paying close attention to the trends in beer sales, across the country or in their region. How do you look at your current portfolio of products and add new ones and perhaps subtract
2: products? Uh, I think that goes back to that original question. Uh, In a way, um, we brew what we like, um, uh, first and foremost. Uh, we also look at the marketplace and see if there are any opportunities, um, either in our own draft list uh, or um, or in the you know on the supermarket shelves. And then, um, you know, I think it's a it's a matter of um, coming up with a, a recipe or a or e- even starting with a style, but then actually nailing down a recipe that you're confident. Um, that you want to invest time and, and, and ingredients in experimenting with um we we do do trial batches um we've got some uh little four barrel fermenters that we um actually started with up on the farm but uh we moved them here and those are now that's now our pilot system so uh we have little do little test batches here both both to um Refine recipes, sort of in our own eyes, but also allows us to um, put a beer in front of a customer and and really get a sense of um, mm-hmm. whether or not people are going to like it before we get you know into into real production with it. You have something?
1: Yeah, I think oh, I would like to add to that. I think you know um, you mentioned about like mission-based. I would say if Brett and I had a mission for this was it was to. Uh, to broaden people's knowledge about all the different kinds of beer there is out there. And, and it's such a, a wide array. And um, so we've gradually, you know, we, like we, you know, say that, you know, we have focused on the German, Belgian, and, and British brewing traditions, and there were a lot of ales and lagers. Um, the, the, but we both, we really love sour beers, um, and that's something that we, have um really focused on as well um is that trying to expand the um palates out there to appreciate um sour beers and so we've we've uh we have a sour program that that we we do and and um we're always trying to to educate people about how to appreciate that style of beer and um and making it more approachable for people because they can be quite sour. And then there's like the, the ones that we brew, I call I tend to call them more gateway sours. And, uh, the idea of that is just to make things more approachable for people.
0: Yeah. Uh, Melissa, you mentioned, uh, beer tourism, and I'm, I'm interested in your view of the role that tourism beer, specifically beer tourism plays in the vibrancy of the Vermont beer scene. And, uh, sort of to the point of your tap room and your customers, any idea of the split between local versus uh, the state visitors who are coming into your tap room
1: i can't give you i couldn't speak specific, you know give you specific numbers I think we have a a good we we definitely have a healthy um, representation of of beer tourism, but we have such a strong um, local following we have a a lot of regulars and um people from surrounding communities that come fairly often as well um so i think i could say that we during the tourist season we're definitely a lot busier but we still have a very healthy business um of of locals when the times are slower so Mm -hmm. i feel like i feel like it's pretty well balanced Um, I think that that it's still, I think that we actually do more business from um, the residential, from residents, from people that live here in Vermont and are, Mm -hmm. you know, surrounding, you know, 20 miles or so probably.
2: I I think it feels Mm -hmm. that way to see them so frequently. Maybe. Uh, If I I had to guess, and I would say it's something like 50-50, but it's, like Melissa said, it's skewed during First season, mm-hmm. it's more tourists, and during the off season, it's more locals. And uh, it's, I don't know; it's, it mm-hmm. feels like balance.
0: Yeah. Uh, big picture, uh, we've likely crossed the seven thousand brewery mark nationally in Vermont. We've been relatively stable at fifty-five to sixty-five breweries for a while, although the <clears throat> TTB lists um, eighty-seven licensed breweries. Uh, I just noted the other day. Um, how do you assess competition? Uh, a rising tide lifts all boats or perhaps uh, enough already. Uh, how do you view local competition versus out of state brands being introduced into the Vermont market?
2: Uh, yeah, two very good questions. Um, I, I'm of the mindset, the more the merrier. I, I think that the, the notion of having a neighborhood brewery is a very beautiful one and you know, rather than going to the store to buy, you know, an industrial product made in a state, you know, halfway across the continent, um, is, is a very different experience than walking into your local, uh, brewery and, and walking away with, with freshly made beer. Um, so I think that, that kind of answers both of those things in a way, but, um, you know, in terms of, Having out-of-state breweries represented on the shelves here, um, I welcome that because that's how we get variety. Um, uh, different people come up with different ideas. Um, I, I love walking into a store and seeing beer from all over um, all over the world. Uh, is you know my <laughs> my favorite thing to see. But um, you know just in terms of you know do we have enough breweries in Vermont? I don't know what the right number is, but um, uh, you know they're all great people that that we've met, and um, I I think that um, we all support that beer tourism and sort of local brewery um, mindset that I think is very healthy for us as a as a community of businesses.
0: Mhm. Okay, let's um let's try the crystal ball question. <laughs> How do you see uh, cannabis impacting the craft beer industry? Um, if at all, you want to take that one.
1: <laughs> I, 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 yeah, may I. may be five I,
0: years too early here, but. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I think it's just it's two different it's just a different thing. I mean, and and I think that um I, I think it's early to to say. I think that they're now, you know, with um, cannabis becoming legal in more places and becoming more accepted as a. A, a, a consumer product in different forms and fashion, then I think you know, you're just we're just gonna, it's just the beginning. I really don't know where it's gonna go. I don't, I think it's a very different thing, and I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's, I certainly don't think it's gonna hurt the beer industry any. We, we did I, I, some analysis,
0: I'm sorry, we just, we did some analysis, our, our team, uh, of the states that legalized, uh, cannabis and trying to see if it impacted beer sales at all. And we haven't been able to detect any, any significant difference so far, but again, we may be just way too early. And, and the other thing I just wanted to mention is that, you know, um, with Canada legalizing it, uh, recreational use, we may begin to see, um, the emergence of, of cannabis, uh, uh beverages, um, in that market because it is across the entirety of Canada and the U S it's so spotty, uh, between States. It makes it hard for any major producer to, to get into this, uh, sector yet. Um, but go ahead, Brett, with your thoughts.
2: Oh, um, I, I think I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I, I don't believe that there will be a direct impact on our industry from that industry uh, um, until, um well as you say, until the laws change and until um people people have to want to to mix those things up. Um, you know, if, if we're talking about a cannabis infused product, um that you know, right now that would have to go through a dispensary and um you know, so it's just a di- different distribution model there and I think that there's a mm-hmm. very high cost of doing business and a probably a very low return on investment. That's just my, I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't seen real analysis. That's just my gut feeling on this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, um,
0: unfortunately we're out of time for today's show and I want to thank Melissa and Brett for taking time to join us. We appreciate it.
1: No problem. Thank you for having us.
2: Thank you. <clears throat> uh,
0: the continued vibrancy of the artisanal beer sector across the country is due to breweries like Stone Corral and we appreciate you're providing us insights into into your world. Uh, until our next show, make sure to support your local breweries. And again, Brett and Melissa, thank you. Thank you, Rick.